Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Hey, good morning, PCC. We're in our last week of our series, Family Table, Realizing Your Impact. Week one, Gary started us off reminding us of the value of kids and teens around Jesus and our church. Week two, we looked at our words and the impact they can have. And last week, we looked at the people that we surround ourselves and the impact we can have. This week, we're going to look at how our love is impactful. Now, each week, we've given you giveaways. And this week, we have a special giveaway for those of you raising sons. This book right here is one of my biggest recommendations for those raising sons. In fact, I've used it consistently over the last 18 years of my own parenting. So if you go to our, ta- our family table page, you can see that there. Now, as we talk about love has impact, I have a specific way I want to say this. And today it's this, that my pace of life is love. My pace of life is love. Because if my pace of life is love, then my pace is willing to see people where they're at and join them where they're at, which means it's costly. So today, my pace of life is love because I'm willing to walk at someone else's pace. Now, before we get into it, I, week one, I shared with you this illustration from my freshman year football days. Well, now I have another high school story. So in 1996, I'm playing baseball. Now, our team was ranked number two in our conference and eight in the state. We were actually pretty good. We're playing a team that had far less skill than us and far less talent. Now, our head coach, who actually had professional league experience, would do this really fun game. He literally would say, pick your spot where he'd allow all the athletes to pick exactly on the field where they wanted to play. Now for me, as a catcher and a third baseman, and I was having conversations about playing in college, I had a thought that I'd have a really fun stat line next to all these recruiting statistics. And it was pitching, why not? So I did, I got a chance to pitch. Now, it's the third inning, top of the third, because we're home, and I've got a scoreless game going. Yes, the other team did have less skill, but that's beside the fact. get three outs and I'm heading back to the dugout and I see my mom pull up in her 1991 Chevy Blazer. You could not miss this vehicle. Now what's really cool is our stadium sat in a bowl where the stadium bleachers went up and the two main streets were above us. So fans, teammates, uh, the press could stand up on the top of the street and it was just a really fun scene. Now I saw her pull up and as I'm getting to the dugout because it's the break in the evening or the inning, the head coach says, hey, you're done. And I literally go, no, I'm not. And he looks at me and goes, you really want to go there? And I was like, yeah, I'm not done. You're not pulling me. Now, we're in a bit of an argument in the dugout. And the teammates are looking around going, what's really going on here? Now, I couldn't tell him why I couldn't be done. But I was like, you're not pulling me. And he said, fine, you got one more inning. To be honest, I uh, had a pretty good consequence after the game was over for that. But I digress. The real reason was this. See, my mom showing up was a huge deal. My single mom raising kids by herself showing up was a huge deal. The single mom who worked two full-time jobs was out of the house at 4.30 in the morning, worked five to one, and her second job started two till 10 at night. She did this five to six days a week. See, the pace of her life in that moment for me was love because she went out of her way to go to her second job an hour late to make one of my games. Not even the whole game, just a part of it. See, her pace of life, her pace of love in my life was really impactful. 
And I genuinely believe that when we lean into a pace of life being loving, it's also costly. So single parents, it's worth the added effort. It's worth it of where you're at. More about parenting in a second. I would contend that people want to be drawn in and not pushed out. The life of Jesus, this covenant relationship we have with God, is grace-filled, it's transforming, it's redeeming. It's calling us to presence with the living, resurrected Christ. See, the beauty of watching Jesus' ministry is the outcast, the desolate, the spiritually drained, the racially insulted, the marginalized, were all drawn into Jesus because of his willingness through love to attack sin. This is the central message of the gospel. That sin doesn't get the last word in our lives. That the way life was intended to be lived out in relationship transparently with with God as well as each other, that's what the kingdom of Jesus calls us to. Sin is real. Sin is the spot where we can't ignore it, that the depravity of our sin haunts us in our inadequacies, insecurities, and inabilities. Sin is what we, when we look at ourselves in a mirror and we think we're not good enough or we can't make it, Jesus says, no, 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 I've actually designed you with my very image in you. You've got this because I've got you. And the beauty of the story of Jesus is it's not just complete with the fact that Jesus loves us, like his own life and death sealed that for us. Now you may be joining PCC today and you're just eavesdropping on a church conversation. You may be curious about faith, or you actually may be in a spot where you're religiously skeptical, and that's okay. But for those of you that say yes to Jesus, that you call him Lord and Savior, there is a really strong point that Jesus continues to make over and over and over throughout all of Scripture, throughout all of history, throughout all of the covenant relationship. It's this, I love you, and I'm willing to walk with you. Now, last week, When we looked at people at Impact, we looked at John, this disciple that spent a ton of time with Jesus. We're going to look at another letter of John. It's in 1 John chapter 2. So if you want to grab your Bible app or your Bible and open there, 1 John 2 is this letter that John has to a a group, a small church of followers of Jesus. Now, again, if you're just eavesdropping on a faith conversation, this is actually a great way to look into what does life with Jesus in a church really look like? So 1 John 2, 1 through 10 is where we're going to be. John reminds people, my little children. Now that's not, that's an actually an endearing term. It's a very pastoral term that says, hey, those of you that need to be reminded that you're loved, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atonement for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. And we By this know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. John's just reminding this church that knowing Jesus means that sin is not what we're seen with. We're seen with this relationship, this advocacy. He says in verse 4, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. It's a strong statement. That if we say we know Christ, but we don't live that way, the truth's not in us, that's a strong statement. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him should walk in the same way that Jesus walked. Church, what does that look like? That if we say we know Jesus, does our life, does our action, does our choices mimic what Jesus says? 
the beauty of the impact of our love with people is that we can be seen in our pace of how we walk with them. Let's keep going. Verse 7, he says, Beloved. Little change of tone there. Starts with little children. Now he says, Beloved. Both very endearing statements. But he says, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you've had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you've heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The new commandment that last week John reminded us of was this. If you love one another, you'll obey my commands. That when you love one another, that's mimicking Jesus. It's this reminder. It's this very affirming and encouraging reminder that our love will be seen. He says, whoever says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is actually still in the darkness. But whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Jesus calls our lives to not look at the comparison game of others. Jesus calls our lives to look at the world and mimic what he did in the world. Serve, love, care. Meet people where they're at, regardless of who they are, regardless of what we think of them. Look at them through the eyes that God does. Our standard in life is this kingdom of Jesus. It's to be selfless. And if our pace of life is love, then I would contend this. People want drawn in, not pushed out. I would contend that love continually draws people in. I would contend that love reflects the heart of God. I would contend that love on just a pure human level, we like to fragmentize it, choose when we want to express it and not. But love on a kingdom level, it's consistent. Church, if our view of love is expecting people to move at our pace with our values and our expectations, that's not love, that's an agenda. Love communicates that you matter, your story is important. I want to hear you. Love meets people where they're at so that people in process know that they'll have people that'll process with them. That's why one of the fruit of the Spirit is patience, because you can actually see how well it's going. People should know that when the followers of Jesus show up, love is with them. Not theological bashing, not judgment, not agenda, but just genuine love. As a church that calls themselves followers of Jesus, love should show up in the gospel in every way we live our life. In our language, in our city, in our posture. Here's some ways that PCC people have been showing up in love for the last 14 months and actually beyond, but here's some really specific ways. Street Life Mission has secured a vehicle that allows a mobile wardrobe to serve the homeless. Generations United has continued a weekly food delivery and mentorship to under-resourced families. PE Plus, through the community center, continues every week to be in the living rooms of over 5,000 kids in Redwood City with loving coaches. Our Stevens ministers meet people where they're at in crisis, trauma, frustration, and walk with them. Our, PE, our preschool and our SAC counselors throughout all of COVID have continued to meet families where they're at, meet kids where they're at, to be a source of love. The beauty of our church is we actually live this out in a lot of ways. And we're not done yet. Now, throughout this whole series, we've been leaning into the living rooms of parents, grandparents, and guardians. So, parents, grandparents, and guardians, what does this look like when our love is expressed 
to our kids in such a way that it's this bank that they pull from. When life gets funky, disorderly, confusing, is our love the memories that they pull on to get them through some of those hard and challenging times? Right now, I want you to listen to Luke Wilkerson, our young adult pastor, interview uh, a college student from the network. And I want you to hear what they have to say about the love that their parents model for them. Take a listen. Hey, PCC, as you may know, my name is Luke Wilkerson, and I get the honor and privilege of leading our college students and young adults. Our ministry is called The Network, and this is Josie, and she's a part of The Network as well. Would you mind telling us a bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Josie Dalkey. I am raised and born in Iowa, and I'm here in California um, as the Children's Ministry intern. So I'd love to know, as a young adult, how has COVID affected you? COVID has been pretty difficult because I am an extrovert and now I'm in a new city and a new state where everyone already has their communities, their bubbles, their friendships, and I'm trying to create my own. And that's been hard considering a pandemic. And I've been here now making different like life decisions and I haven't had a community holding me and so it's been very lonely. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine that that's a really lonely and difficult experience. Is there a, a story that highlights that experience for you? Yeah, so I came out to California with the idea of going back home to my home to small town and staying there. But while being out here, I just really felt the Lord was leading me here and where there's diversity and groups of people. And so because of that, I just knew I needed to end relationships at home which was hard because that means I was leaving my safety nets, leaving my community to now a new area where I haven't quite created my own community yet. Yeah. So despite the transition and the pandemic and leaving that huge support system at home, you're just powering through with following God's call in your life. That's incredible. Is there a, a teaching that your parents taught you or something that they instilled in you growing up that's helped you during this difficult and unusual season? Yeah, the one thing that comes to my mind is, so when we were young, I went through a house fire with my family. And at such a young age, I just learned that nothing's mine and it can be taken from me at any moment. And it was hard, but my family just emphasized that the relationship with the Lord is the one thing that cannot be taken from me. And so they would often take time to just stop and we'd pray together, we'd worship together, we would just read the scriptures. And so for me, it's praising the Lord throughout the storm, but praising Him louder than the storm. Mm, I love that. Was it difficult to, to remember that or to apply that in this pandemic? It felt pretty natural because I think at such a young age and I was walking through my parents and watching them and I was able to grow with them while I was young. Because mm. I remember there were times that I'd be in my bed just upset about the house fire and I would hear my parents downstairs praising the song and just praising the Lord with the song, Praise You in the Storm by Casting mm. Crowns. Yeah. And I remember it was just kind of confusing to hear them just be so joyful and they would be praying so much. And I remember like asking them like, why are you guys doing this? And they just explained to me that focusing on the Lord in such a hard time is it gets you through hard things. You know, it's like the story in Job. And for me now, I apply that to myself right now with the things that I'm going through and with pandemics, things are taken from me, but I'm going to praise my God louder than the storm that I am in. Wow. So you saw them practicing what they were preaching. You saw them living out their faith. And now you get to do that in your own way mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. That is such a 
powerful and inspirational story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Mm -hmm. Luke and Josie, thanks for sharing. Question to our living rooms. Do our children know that our love for them is not just verbally shown, but also physically shown? That it's greater than anything else. Now, many of you internally just said, well, yeah, duh, Danny, don't be ridiculous. Of course, I want my kids, my grandkids, the kids I care for to know that their love beyond everything else. And I would, I would agree with you, so do I. But I wanna give you three just tips or tools that I use, I've encouraged other parents to use to really evaluate how are you doing with being a pace of your life loving others. The first one is this, is actually time. See, week one, Gary started us here that if you want to ask a child how they spell love, it's T-I-M-E. The time that you take with kids, with teens, is really going to communicate to them your love. I would ask you, if you look at your diary, your planner, your Google calendar in the last week, can you specifically see where you set aside intentional quality time or quantity time for your kids to know you love them? Church, in the past week, does your calendar reflect the same space that you were willing to show up in spaces where kids and teens are at to say, hey, I'm here, I wanna love you. My pace of life is my time. We all find time a valuable commodity. Are we, using, are we willing to spend it where it matters most? The second one would be our energy. I know this, I like to go. I like full schedules. I like to do a lot. I love achieving. I love being able to have a day so full that it's like, man, that was worth it. But if my full schedule takes away energy from those that matter most to me, am I just giving them my emotional scraps? That's a heavy question for me because if you wanna ask me, hey, where's your energy at? If it's in my to-do list only, my kids are gonna feel that. But if my energy shows up for them where they're at, when they're ready, or even not ready, but I'm present for them, man, that amount of energy continuing banking them is huge. Now parents, I was raised by a single mom. I know how full schedules can be. I know how hard it could be to have any amount of energy left over. I know what it's like to have a full week and I do want a physical and emotional reset. I know what it's like to enjoy hobbies. I know what it's like to feel like, man, I just want something for myself. And that's where I need to plan well with my time so my energy can also be planned well. Church, as we regather, here's what's really interesting. We're gonna need a lot of energy from PCC in all these regathering steps. Are you willing to save some of your best energy for serving friends you've had for years and complete strangers that have yet to walk this campus? PCC, are you willing to say, yeah, I want to use some of my energy to invest and disciple kids and teens in this new season of what PCC is going to look like? My pace of life is love in my energy. And the last one is this, and it's actually a word that's sometimes hard for me to even say because of the challenge it can be for me. And I alluded to earlier, it's patience. If you look at the list of fruit of the spirits, the one of the most challenging one is patience for me. Because patience means I don't walk into relational moments with an agenda or a task list. I walk in with personal care. See, when you spend time with people, people can be challenging. When you spend time with people and you see them in process, are you willing to process with them? Patience means that I'm willing to see someone where they're at, not where I think they should be. 
And one of the most interesting stats coming out of both Barna and Pew Research, which are two leading edge researchers of faith communities, one of the number one reasons that young adults, teens, begin to check out of faith communities is they feel that older generations, and that could be just five years older than them, not 50, can be just as, as young as five years older than them, aren't patient with them in the process, the questions, the doubts they have. I don't think PCC wants to be that kind of church. I don't think our homes want to be that kind of place. Where if we say we want to live with people and pace with them in love, we're willing to be patient. Now, parents, let me touch on just a quick thought that some of us often have that, man, if we don't push our kids, if we don't challenge them, if we don't raise the bar, then their life won't be fill in the blank, amazing, enriched, full, academically thriving, you name it. And I think parents, sometimes that comes from our own expectation of what we'd love to see our kids' life be versus going, hey, God, you've entrusted me with the gift of children. Who are you forming them to be? What are their gifts? What are their passions? How can I meet them where they're at in my time, in my energy, in my patience? And that's a beautiful picture that we have. Because when we're able to sit in this space of saying, hey, where are our kids really at? Where is our church really at? Where is our city really at? We're willing to say, my pace of life is love. I want to go back to 1 John 2 real quick as we wrap up. 1 John 2, 6. It's this hidden line that always catches me. It says, whoever says he abides in Christ ought to walk in the same way that Jesus walked. I love hiking. I love walking. Um, I've always loved the outdoors. And to be honest with you, um, this is a really good imagery for me in this week. Uh, this is a redwood sapling. We don't often post this on our Instagram. What we often post is this picture right here. The fully mature, the produce, the awe-inspiring, the jaw-dropping pictures. But if our pace of life is love, then we're willing to be okay in the process. We're willing to be okay in the maturity process of kids and teens in our living room, in our church, in our city. We're willing to be okay with the process of peers in our workplaces, in our schools, in our church pews. We're willing to be okay in process with people because we love them and are willing to walk with them the way Jesus did. Love shows up. Church, families, if our pace of life is love, then let's set a healthy pace. Now, for some of you, you may be eavesdropping in on today or even you've been joining PCC for a while and you may be thinking about this like, man, this feels really overwhelming. Or like, I never actually thought that Jesus' pace of life was loving to humanity. And I just want to pause for a second and invite you to think about the fact that regardless of whether you're marginalized, you feel outcast, you feel like a religious skeptic, you feel demoralized by the world around you, or the words spoken to you, you feel like you don't have a place to belong, or you feel like life is great, but yet there may be something that just goes like, really, where am I going and what's my purpose? Within each one of us, there's a reality that we're created for more than just existing. We're created in relationship with God himself and for each other. And in being created for that, there's an invitation from Jesus to say, I want your life to be full and abundant. I want you to walk with me because that's the way it was originally designed. And the beauty of a relationship with Jesus is we do say, yes, Jesus, I'm willing to put away my life and take on the life you have for me. 
And I want to invite you, if you've never thought of entering a relationship with Jesus, there's actually one simple prayer. It's not the only thing you'll ever have to talk to God about, but it's a great place to start. And as simple as this. Yes, Jesus, I give you my life. Yes, I, I give you my life. I take on the fact that you've redeemed me. You want to transform me. You've called me to relationship with you and others. And so I want to pause and I want to pray for our community today. And in praying, I also want to just pause for a moment and give you a space just to say, hey, God, I, I think I want to start a journey with you. So PCZ, will you pray with me? Jesus, as you walked the earth, the outcast, the desolate, the spiritually drained, those that were insulted and marginalized, you saw as human beings because that is what they are. And you see us the same. You see us, Jesus, in the space where we're trying to figure out what does it look like to live well, live with fullness. And the world has so many thoughts about that, but they always have an ending point. But that's the beauty of you being the eternal God. You don't have an ending point. So Jesus, as we think about our church, as we think about our parenting, our guardianship, the investment in the generations, Jesus, will you allow us to have a pace of life being loving to those closest to us that we know deeply or just brand new to relationship? Jesus, for those that may be thinking about what a life with you should look like, I would ask that they would be willing to just say yes to you, knowing that what you offer is a life abundant. It's full. And church, if you're in that spot where you're wondering, maybe that's me, I would encourage you just in your heart, your mind, your thoughts, even out loud to say, yes, Jesus, I want life with you. And so Jesus, we know that you love us. And because you are the righteous one who advocates on behalf of us through our sin, we thank you and praise you in your name. Amen. Church, next week, it's the beginning of Easter, Holy Week, Palm Sunday a celebratory time for us to remind ourselves of what Jesus did on the cross out of love for us. Thanks for leaning into this. Uh, the website below is where you can pick up opportunities of how to serve, but also the free resources. And if you also are in a spot where you want to say, yes, Jesus, join the virtual patio. One of the pastors would love to connect with you or just email in here at PCC. We love you. Thanks for joining our family table, Realizing Your Impact series. And we look forward to seeing some of you soon live on the lawn and wherever we may meet up. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.